Hello and welcome back to another episode of Our Generation On Air. My name is Alex Bullimore and joining me this week is award-nominated journalist Ben Summer. <laughs> I genuinely didn't ask him to, to sneak that in either, but uh, hi, how are you doing? Good. I imagine today in particular has been a pretty good day. Yeah, it's been nice. Yeah, I got nominated for a young journalist thing, um, which is really lovely. And sort of one of those things where I, I can sort of go, oh, I didn't expect it. And it was such a surprise. But at the end of the day, you have to nominate yourself for these. So I, sort of, <laughs> I didn't I didn't expect it, but I, I can't pretend I was, you know, unaware that I was even my name was even in the hat kind of thing. Anyway, it was nice. It was good. Thank you. And uh, for shout out here to Jacob Tingle, of course, uh, the the article that got you the nomination was the Weatherspoon's toilet story of course surely as as Jacob would have you believe yeah and I mean like I, I don't mind saying this there's a guy in our comments section that anytime so I wrote a jokey article about Weatherspoon's toilets once and there's a guy who will comment on basically every article that I write referencing Weatherspoon's toilets and for the first time ever today I genuinely believe that it was Jacob Tingle um because he replied to our uh, to my tweet uh saying yeah of course this is what got you nominated he loves that article more than you know, some people I know love their partners. Um, yeah, it's, it's fantastic and kind of weird. Right, of course, Ben got nominated for a much more serious article than that, um, but fantastic writing all the same. Um, so uh, QPR experienced a fantastic win up at Middlesbrough on Saturday, which left everyone feeling warm and fuzzy, and people were actually nice to each other on Twitter, uh, especially in QPR Twitter. You don't see that very often. Um so, uh, you know, we have a week of international football ahead of us and one win in the bank against one of last season's playoff teams. Uh, yeah, QPR fans got all their niceties and weird sort of like predictions and kind of we're cooking stuff out the way now with with no threats over the next week of QPR proving them wrong. Um, but we're here to temper the mood ever so slightly. It was a fantastic result and, you know, it's, brilliant to see uh this new style working um so yeah let's start with the positives then and it's probably the biggest positive of them all people are saying it's a redemption arc i don't think that's fair i think the reinvention of andre dazelle is a much fairer way to describe this yeah um i mean i thought he had just like an all-round incredible game like one of the one of the best games I've seen a QPR player have in a while, and you could sort of take the goal out, and I'd still be saying he had a really good game. Um, I agree with the reinvention thing in that he's playing a little further up. Um, he's got the benefit of two midfielders behind him, which I think is really interesting because that only happened because Lyndon Dykes was injured. Really, we were kind of all talking about Colback will come in and he'll probably replace Dazelle. And, and I know a lot of people are saying, including Gareth Ainsworth, you know, Dazelle's been great since Ainsworth came in or since the start of the season, whatever. I've got to say, I don't agree. I thought he was really ineffective at Cardiff. I wasn't at Watford, but people who are at Watford seem to think he was really ineffective there. That's not to take away from the fact that he has turned things around, but I think it's been about finding a system that suits him. Um, and and then Ainsworth, credit where it's due, coaching him into a player that really works in that system. And I'd like to think if we move back to a two in midfield, we'd see that better version of Dazelle playing in that now. Um, but yeah, equal parts credit, I think, to Dazelle himself for really taking some responsibility, um, you know, applying himself to the game and, and then Ainsworth and I'll go on to this a little more I think but finding a way of playing that actually suits the players that you know, people maybe aren't universally thrilled about normally yeah I mean this is 
the crucial thing for for the Zell now is not kind of um, the fact that he's played that one game that's good. It's got to be this is a really good game that's not only like a benchmark, but going forward, you've got to at least stay at that level. And it will be difficult with the reintroduction of Lyndon Dykes at some point, assuming yeah. he doesn't come back from international break injured. Um, you know, he, Dykes is the starting striker in that team and they will probably move things around to get him in because they've, you know, they have given him a new contract this year. They probably increase it, whatever. I don't, know the ins and outs of it but you would imagine that you're gonna have to you know make room for dykes unfortunately uh for Dazel. it just means that when that change happens if he does move back to the bench there's got he's got to bounce back but it's this sort of performance been a long time coming because he's played 70 times for us you know 70 yeah. times yeah. one goal that i mean to be fair in 81 appearances for ipswich he only ever scored two but you know, this has been something that a lot of QPR teams over the recent years have needed. Someone that's actually going to score goals in midfield. Well, I mean, I, I, I know that we're not the Football Clichés podcast, but I am going to sort of cosplayers them for a second because I, I added them in, in a tweet when Dazelle scored his goal saying, I think that's the most, you know, jobbing centre midfielder's first goal for a club after 70 appearances goal ever. Um, and I had to stop myself from comparing it to Don Ball. Of course, Don Ball scored both of the kind of first goals that uh, a job in midfielder would score for a side. That being a really crappy, slightly deflected tap-in against Luton Town and the best screamer you've ever seen to win the win game, game 3-2 against yeah. Cardiff. Yeah, Last and minute, Dezel's everything. Won. Again, you know that Dezel's got technical skill. There's that pass at Cardiff that we all sort of sit and, and dream about sometimes. Um and over recent weeks, yeah, against Ipswich, he had a couple of nice little one-twos with chair and that sort of thing. Obviously, he's got technical skill. That's one of his one of his attributes. To pull something like that out of the bag, disgusting. Like, like where on earth has that yeah. come from? How does he strike it like that? I've watched it so many times. It looks like CGI. Yeah, it looks yeah, like, it looks something like from a, a FIFA film, doesn't it? Yeah, it, yeah, or like a like a sort of slightly rubbishy low budget film about football where someone's sort of just dangling a picture of a football in front of the camera and moving it in a straight line towards the goal. It's insane the way that it hits in the exact top corner, comes off the post, and it sort of does that thing I'm gesturing, but where a ball wraps around the inside of the net, it sort of hits the left side and kind of loops and, and lands squarely on the right hand side. Like um you know those little machines that you used to put two P in for charity, not machines, but the little things outside of McDonald's where you put a two P oh, in like and it would kind of spin around yeah. the entire way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The ball did that in the goal. It was incredible. Also the other thing as well that you some people who didn't notice about the goal until much later, and not that I have any ill feeling towards this particular individual, but the person in the goal is Senny Dieng and he's well, he's squatting there. Like he's clearly not anticipating this from someone that he's played with. <laughs> like, like, in I a nice spot away. Like I mean, he's not saving it anyway. No yeah. as I think Nick London says on the commentary, no keeper in the world is saving that. It is probably a very well, I want to say it's a one off, but he did sort all that very good goal in uh the pre preseason game. I can't remember who it was against. I can't remember if this is the thing. I can't remember if it was this year or last year, but the Zell scored an absolute screamer in pre-season at some point. I've got no memory of any of this. You're probably right. Definitely, I've got no memory. I can't remember. It might have been this year. Just sort of passed my mind, but I don't think it was. I think it was last year. But anyway, whatever. It doesn't matter. He did it. That's yeah. all that matters. Yeah. Um, clearly, Dieng was sort of just like. I mean, you know, 
anyone shooting from that sort of range as a goalkeeper you kind of inviting them on a little bit you know you think that you're gonna have a nice look at it you got a good chance to save it but he had no chance and he was squatting there and he had no intention of getting anywhere near the ball so i'm not gonna say that was nice it was something <laughs> it was i think it's just always satisfying to see a shot because because a lot of the time even if it's a good shot a keeper will sort of go either hoping they'll get it or hoping that it looks like they put in the effort so it doesn't look like they've just you know waited and watched it go in but when you see a goalkeeper go absolutely not there is there is no chance of me getting anywhere near that and also i mean i, I, I guess we'll kind of come on to this i thought we were really good in the first half i, I thought you know I, I i caught myself thinking this is one of the first times you know, with the exception of these past couple of games, Cardiff, Ipswich and so on, but it's one of the first times since Warburton that, and uh, since Beale, to be fair, but but basically what I'm saying is it felt like the Warburton thing where you go into a game just not knowing how it'll go and it could be great and it could be horrible, but you're sort of going and going, this is a genuine mystery to me. I'm excited to see what's going to happen because under Beale for a while, it was it was like, oh, we're great. And then it was, oh, we're rubbish. And then it was, oh, where's he gone? You know, he's, he's, he's left, he's in Scotland. Uh, whereas with Warburton, it was that kind of just like fun jeopardy. And it felt like that for a lot of the game. But we, we had our chances in the first half. I thought Borough had their chances, but we sort of shut them down with actual good last ditch defending and actual good goalkeeping rather than, you know, like pure luck. Um, and so that goal from Dizel kind of felt like the sum total of what, not what we were owed, because we could have been 1-0 behind and couldn't have massively complained, but it was like, oh, you know what, never mind us missing a few of those chances, because Dizel's just done that somehow, and thank not... God, and now we're 1-0 we're up one way or another. Speaking about last-ditch challenges, Dizel didn't just score a fantastic goal. Oh, yeah. He did the perfect, most risky sliding tackle you'll ever seen in your life. And that clip that they have put up on the QPR social media of the full move, kind of, I think, without actually, I've, I've not set foot in any stadium or watched 90 minutes yet of Ainsworth's football. And I'm now really? looking forward. Yeah, other commitments throughout the summer, yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. But I'm now really looking forward to getting to the Sunderland game and being able to watch it for the first time, which is inevitably when it all goes wrong. But oh, yeah. um, I feel like from everything I've heard from everyone else, that clip where they break on us, but you've got Colback just taking one for trying to take one for the team, and then you've got Dazelle like making the perfect sliding tackle. That's not Andre Dazelle that we've seen many times before in the other 69 games that he's played for us. But he's a, seems like a different player under uh, Ainsworth at the moment. He makes that tackle, and then all of a sudden, we are breaking on Middlesbrough with the pace of Armstrong. And he, he nearly scores, yeah. should score, whatever. That's for another debate. But that feels like the kind of game plan, in a sense, sort of like diehard effort, and we're going to come at you with incredible speed. Yeah, it, it was great. And it was only really watching it back that I realised how good a chance he created. And I think Armstrong could have done a little better there. I thought there were a couple of moments in the game where he, he could have done a little better. There's that one, obviously, early on where Paul Smith fizzes one across goal. Is it a shot? Is it a low cross? Whatever. But I think uh, Armstrong should gamble and go for it and whatever. Absolutely. Um, and, 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 and I thought he could have possibly done a little better there. But just that whole move, it's brilliant. And it's brilliant from Dazelle. And it wasn't the only moment where he got involved defensively. And that's what really reassures me. You talk a lot about buy-in. Ainsworth talks a big game about the boys and how much the boys give everything and um, how he doesn't want to single out individuals and how it's a team. And it's only a team of people apply themselves like this. And uh, Dizelle 
was one of the players last season that I would have criticised for not applying himself. And I don't want to go in on him too much because, again, he's, he's having a really good time at the minute. And there were other players who were at fault for this as well. But if you look last season at a Lyndon Dykes or a Kenneth Powell or whatever, those are not players that aren't applying themselves. Those are players that are giving it a go and it's not working. And maybe they're underperforming and maybe we should be critical of them for that, but they were applying themselves. Um, Dizel, for me, wasn't tracking back, wasn't, wasn't doing the things that you've just got to do. And if Ainsworth can get that out of him and also play him in a position that just suits his abilities, that's one of the most reassuring things I've seen at QPR. And it's without wanting to get too far ahead of myself, a sign that we've got a manager who can, if not, you know, immediately challenge for promotion, if not get us far north of 17th or 18th, actually build the foundations of something that's like sustainable and, and sort of generally good for the future of the club rather than, you know, Beal flogging players who who were at risk of injury and then going on losing runs, um, yeah. or relying on on players who can create a moment of brilliance, but like you say, don't don't do the basics sometimes. Um, so as you just, mentioned uh, it there, yeah. is that the comparison between Beal flogging players and the, in the moment it feels great, um, and uh, we'll talk about the Colback goal in a second. But seeing as you've mentioned him a few times, it feels like a, a natural segue. Uh, first off, Bill's, it looks like at Rangers, he couldn't. Oh, we're doing he this, might, are we? He might not be in for too much more time at Rangers for the start. Apparently, according to, uh, I think it's the Scotsman newspaper, I saw just before it came on, they're going to stick with him beyond the international break. But they have looked at other people, supposedly, or there's like, I think it's. Um, John Eustace is actually one of the names that is being thrown about as potentially a replacement. Whether he moves now after going through the tough sort of yards with Birmingham last season, when you've got the sort of, uh, what's his name, American footballer sort of fronting the new... Uh, Brady, yeah. Yeah, why, why would you leave now is the point I've made there. Uh, even if it is for Rangers, yeah. why would you move now? Because you've actually kind of built something. But you never know. He could want to move. That's by the by. That's not really important. And, and, for this and, and same, same as with Beale, and it was slightly different. But I think we always probably in England underestimate the pull of the two old firm clubs. I like think for a manager. Yeah, like, like, I think know. it is slightly different with. Well, Birmingham's Beale, a massive club, but it's. I think with you, Eustace, just looking at it, sort of like you've got all those players signed. I don't know. Yeah, no, there, not, there, there not, is a difference. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not really for us to debate. Um, so, yeah, he's things aren't going too healthy for Beal at Rangers. It's funny because the very vocal Rangers fans on Twitter are now, majority, I'd say, the noisiest ones are Beal out. Uh, and there's, there's oh, I all love, these I, things. I love Beal out, man. There's these massive threads about how he's a clown he's at this and it's not even just sort of like little snapshots of information there's like there's one that got put in our group chat the other day wasn't there that's like massive i got halfway through it i couldn't believe the amount of detail that this guy's put in like he's clearly not got much to do at work um but he's just written this massive thread about where it's all going wrong and it's probably all just opinion and it's not exactly analysis, but it's the, the ultimate thing is that it's all going wrong. He spent £13 million on players. Only three of them made the starting 11 this um, this past weekend in the loss to Celtic. But if you compare Beal last season to Ainsworth this season, right, we are one place lower this year than we were last year after five games, but we are one point better off. 
Are you sure that's correct? That's insane to me. I heard that it the is, other day. It is I genuinely correct. I cannot believe that. Looking at the track, so last that... start of last season, hang on, where, so where are we at? So the equivalent was... to now is Rotherham at home. We've just drawn one all. But you've got to remember... Oh, well, that well we should have won that game. Yeah. Tell you what, though. Oh, oh, we really should have won that game. But so, um... All right, football cliches. Can't... Just... <laughs> But no, we, this on. is I... like you got to remember the last years that we oh. started much earlier because of the World Cup, um, so it feels a little yes. bit different. But it was after this point wow. that we went on a big winning run where we beat I've... like Sheffield United yeah. and B- Bristol City and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This yeah, was yeah. the point where we went into really good form. Mm. I think it was like sort of the next couple of I don't want to say ten games. It was probably sort of like six to eight games uh, where we looked really good. But he was flogging yeah. players like Willock to death. And this goes back to my original point now. Yeah. Um, Cook got injured at the weekend. We were mm. speaking last week about how important he is. And he was immense Arm- first half, by the way. Unbelievable yeah. first half. Armstrong and Smith are sort of like just playing themselves into the ground every week with the effort. How far off is a sort of like yeah. worst case scenario? Because it, it, it's, it's high risk, but... And it feels a lot, I don't know, in the situation, I'm not doing this just because it's Arms, um, Ainsworth. I really like Gareth. And if it's if this is working for him, great. But the reality is we've got a thin squad. Yeah. And a cu- and we it does rehash the point we made last week, but it, it's not, it doesn't, nothing feels too dissimilar to last year. I th- in a weird like, way. In a real yeah. weird way. We feel like we've got someone who's more honest and who is genuinely interested in the club. And yeah. to be honest, last year, you know, I did like what Beal was doing. I, there were some weird things that we were critical about. Like you're noticing it uh, now with the yeah. with Rangers, the weird things that he says as a manager. I just think he's got, yeah. But people just seem to ignore at the time. It's sort of like him being ex- inexperienced. He just seems to be a weird guy that just says a lot of weird stuff. Yeah. Well, on, on that just, on that thing briefly, just to, to jump in there, like. I, I won't pretend I didn't buy into Beale Mania. Obviously, I did. Like yeah. every everyone did. I do remember genuinely thinking at the time, and I'm sure I could find the text where I've said it or whatever. We've not got our Rangers back. He's not the best manager since. Well, yeah, the best record since Warnock for a point or whatever. But I remember seeing people say like, "This guy's incredible. He's finally telling us what he wants to hear." And I remember thinking, "He's great. He's winning games. I like him. He's a good personality." Wrong on that. <laughs> um, but. His post-match comments seem like any other managers. I don't think there's this new level of honesty there. Yeah, and there's not a you know there's like a clever lack of honesty in what Ainsworth does. The sort of the boys gave everything. He was saying it when he wasn't true, but that clearly maintained enough morale that he can start saying it when it is true. I, you know, there's not full honesty. But what you've got here is a record of a ten-year stint at a club where he became the most beloved man, Wickham, and that's before you even think about his time as a QPR player. Yeah, you've yeah. got. I'm, I'm the only reason I'm happy you know, dishing the dirt on, on Beal like this, because I don't like criticising individuals, I don't like criticising characters, I don't like talking shit about people, basically. But Beal has fundamentally, I think, proven himself to be sort of, you know, dishonest in what he said to QPR fans and two-faced and just things that I don't respect in a person. And he's already um, going back on stuff he's saying at Rangers, apparently. You know, if you're sort of dialled into everything he's saying. But I think what you've got in Ainsworth is someone that is truly sort of he knows like you said after those sort of 10 years at Wickham he knows what it's like 
or to to be a manager in the first case. Yeah, like, yes, know, that's, <laughs> that's the, the most other thing, important thing. And, and and I remember saying it at the time as well when Rangers appointed Beal. It's like fair enough, fair, you know. I don't like what he's done, but obviously it's a good career move for him. I don't like the fact that he's been taken away, but at the time I thought he is quite a good manager. I do remember thinking he's a couple of months into his first ever stint as a manager, and he's just been appointed manager of Rangers. You know, a huge club with a history and a, a need to win basically every game. And the, a club which, uh, what was it that Warburton said about it being an ex-Rangers manager? He said it's just sort of like this, the weirdest, weirdest goldfish bowl ever, I think he said. Like yeah. everything is about Rangers versus Celtic. And I don't, I can't even, I mean, they must have played each other in like cup matches when Warburton was manager. And I can't remember whether he had a good record in it or not. Or I think he, he. I was reading this the other day. I'm pretty sure. I will check this as I'm going now, but I'm pretty sure he beat them in a cup semi final. He got he he got them promoted, but I don't know what his old firm record was or whether he yeah. stayed on when they were promoted. I'm checking this now. I think he beat them in a cup semi final, and that's when they lost to Hibs in the final. Um, we'll cut this whole section out if I'm wrong, but I I think that was it. But yeah, it's what I fundamentally have just accepted that I don't understand and don't need to understand about um. I was right about the Scottish Cup thing, by the way. But what I um, what I don't understand, don't need to understand about Scottish football is the fact that it's just all about, for the old firm, for the teams in the old firm, it's all about the old firm. Any other team, you know, think about, oh, you could win every other game in the season but lose to your rivals. Everyone would bite your hand off for it, probably. I think I would. Mm. But that's not how it works. That's not how the old firm works. And I think you've seen that with Beale. Um, and not to say he's won every other game. He's had a couple of pretty major losses this season already. But... Well, the PSV game's embarrassing. Yeah. But anyway, I, you know, also, I, I, I don't like, look the... like I'm sitting and laughing, but I, th- I think it's just interesting that the same problems have come up and he's not the messiah that, um, yeah, that he it's was kind of, it holds a bit of a mirror up to our performances last year, doesn't it? You kind of, yeah. once you're out of the, I think we were so desperate after the disappointment of what happened at the end of Warburton's last season, there was a real low feeling about the place. And then all of a sudden you've got this, what felt like on paper such a smart move you've got this guy that yeah. was supposedly the brains behind rangers uh and you know the good bits of aston villa when gerard was there you know that's what you were told to think and there was good good vibes at least there there was players like powell you know kenneth powell wouldn't have been a player that we would have signed without yeah. bill that's and i guess credit for true. that but then he has been good but you know there's other players like um Roberts that could have gone <clears throat> could have gone well but unfortunately with him the injuries just kind of came through it's it's so weird looking back on it now feeling like you've had you've been embarrassed a little bit and it yeah. feel, it feels a lot obvious looking back that there was more sort of that he was always looking for the door whatever um yeah. And what's not nice is is that we that we didn't all see it at the time. I know yeah. I know, for instance, Clive Whittingham sort of made made his points when he made them, and and probably saw it a bit sooner than the rest but of us. Like I say I didn't buy into all of it, but I bought into some of it. But it's it's yeah, like like you say, feel embarrassed because we all bought into it, and then he went, all right, see ya. But the the th- difference is between us and Clive Whittingham is that we're just you know we're fans that decided to do a podcast. He's actually got a little bit of backstage access, hasn't he? I don't it's, know how much, but I, I don't I think mean. I don't know. He but like he is he's knowledge got... of like the Stoke discussions and that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Um, it's not without the information put in front of you. That's why you know people football clubs don't like 
in the nose or whatever and they don't yeah. like to give away too much information because it makes people look bad when they the information does eventually come out you know um what i found interesting as well as knowing what we know now about wolves financial situation and i think it's uh, if you look at what he what bill signed for us and then if you look at what wolves have had over the summer uh, a big name manager kind of walk out on them because they've not got financial backing and bill was signed off the back that hear that he would sort of like recruit a load of freebies i wonder whether there's much link there between the wolves links and the interviews at that point him him being touted as someone who could who could do that there and bring players in on the cheap and that kind of thing well yeah i don't know i was also brilliant the on that note the um uh, trying to find the name of the website now uh sent earlier ibrox noise uh pointing out oh god it's amazing isn't it well my dad sent me this article um and he said, sound familiar, question mark. And that was just the only caption that he sent. And I could see that Beale, and, and, and the headline, Mick Beale has said something strange about all Rangers' new signings. And I said, you know. Well, actually, it... let's give the listeners yeah, give a moment podcast. To, yeah. so give yourself sound, a sound, moment. as a Sound familiar. For, yeah. What what do you think Beale has said about every single Rangers signing so far? Just have a yeah. little think about that to yourself. And, and and now, you know, you've, you've had your second to think. And my guess was, before I read it, I assume it's the fact that he's actually scouted them at an under-8s tournament in Zimbabwe or something. That was my sort of, you know... The comedy article, answer. Well, exactly, comedy. The, the sort of over-the-top kind of... Uh, yeah, and then and then in the article, Ibrox Noise, have you noticed almost every single signing Michael Beale has made? The player in question was tracked by him for practically half a decade and is literally the best friend in football the manager has. Yeah, he's he's doing the same thing there. And apparently they signed a load of trash this year, but I, I can't comment. I, yeah, yeah, I can comment on Mick Beale as a character. I can't pretend to know much about Rangers Football Club. Obviously, it's not going well for him. Obviously, things could suddenly nosedive for us, and we could all be talking about Ainsworth as nice guy, but biggest mistake the club's ever made or whatever in a year's time. But it, I, I like knowing where I am with a manager. I like that there's been this sort of coalescing of he's a good man evidently and things might actually start going his way that's a much that's a very nice kind of optimism to have even if i'm totally deluded in it um because if i I was saying to one of my friends i've got this sort of belief that like in general just that like decent people deserve success obviously everyone believes that it's not it's not a me thing but to see someone as thoroughly decent as ainsworth who seems like as thoroughly a nice person i'd be gutted if it doesn't work and if it yeah. wasn't, if the football was as terrible as it was at the start of the season, even though I don't call for managers to be sat very often, I'd have to look at it and go, this is just not working. The sort of thrill of, oh, it might work, though, maybe, just maybe, is is like a high, is, you know. But the, the, the fact that we're not sort of that far off where we were last year is just... Yeah, it's interesting. A little bit interesting. And I, I guess that what I'm trying to say is that over the next couple of weeks, that is the really kind of not crucial well actually last season the next 10 or so games basically kept us up in the long run yeah 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 massively. so you know if those games were important then we'll find out how important these games are with sides perhaps not at their best just yet yeah um thing is though you know you could get, I... kind of grab a few more wins from here or there because we beat Sheffield United last season and now they're playing in the Premier League um yeah yeah. But I'd, I'd almost be 
worried if we went and won the next 10 games. I mean, don't get me wrong, I'd, I'd take it. I'd be You'd very enjoy happy. It, but I'd enjoy like... it. But it's that sort of thing of, we've been here before yeah. and it's collapsed again. And I sort of long for a QPR that like wins a game, loses a game, draws a game, rinse and repeat and finishes mid-table. It's sort of like, oh, there's, there's, you know, we sort of know like what we are. We, we play pretty much the same every week and we can build on it rather than, holy shit, we're the best team in the world. Oh my God, all of our best players are injured. Jesus Christ, the manager's awful. He's left. Where's he gone? Uh, where's the mentality gone? Why are all the players playing with their heads down? You know, the stadium's the, like, the worst atmosphere I've ever heard. What on earth is happening? Rinse and repeat. What about then uh, Jake Clark Sorter moving back to the game hmm. and away from Bill? Because I think we've said a few times that QPR fans need to get over for Bill. The fact As we've happened. done a great job of this podcast, by the way, just emphasising how, how good we've been at that. In re- in reality, it would be the healthiest thing, but that's not going to happen. Um, and whether you want to or not, he is still linked to this club like a a dirty stain for the next like ten years. It, 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 even beyond that, people will still be referencing last season. So as some as we get further away from it as well, it would become more yeah. sort of like we it's, were really onto something. But... I said, with all the respect in the world, in you know, 10 years' time, Clint Hill's going to be on the Open All Eyes podcast and Finney's going to make a joke about McBeal. That's, it's it's the sort of Hughes, the Mark Hughes of the of the next 10 years, I think. Oh, yes. Um, but we mentioned Cook coming off injured. I think it was at about half-time, wasn't it? Or just... Just before, before? five, yeah. ten minutes before. Yeah. So, you know, really worrying there. But there's I don't think I've seen any news on what that is in particular. So we wait with bated breath. Yeah, it, it was it was groin and it didn't look terrible and he was walking after the game and all the nice things that you like to see. Yeah. Um, he had been absolutely unreal in the game so far. And again, I can go through back through sort of things I was saying to my dad of like, you know, we're a different we're a different team with him and without him. We're stuffed if he gets injured. And then of course my dad's saying to me, Why on earth do you say we're stuffed if he gets injured? You know, now he's got injured. Um he was he was he was brilliant. He was stepping into spaces, you know, a ball, a sort of speculative ball would fly in from deep and instead of kind of waiting for to see what the attacker does with it he's just in front of the attacker he's headed it down colback's got it he's fine it's all good um he was he was sliding in for stuff he was intercepting so he was he was absolutely brilliant and the biggest credit that i can give to clark salter is that after half time because understandably clark salter comes on everyone's in you know at sixes and sevens and doesn't really know what's going on so you have an adjustment after half time i, I barely noticed the difference clark salter was really really good um, yeah. he he filled in excellently the problem with him has never been quality Oh, that, he's always been good his thing, for us. isn't it? That's that's the thing. But credit where it's due, he was, I thought, really good as well. Um, and save for one really notable rush of blood to the head, um, where where this is Fox, this I'm about to talk about, um, runs with the ball into a really silly area and gives it away in a really silly way, and we're quite lucky not to concede. Um, I thought Fox was really good as well, and it sort of maintains my claim of Fox is the the championship centre back guy who's just as good as the guy playing next to him. And when you put yeah. him next to Joe Gubbins, that's going to be a problem. But when you put him next to Steve Cook, yeah, fine, good, great. And uh, I thought he had a decent game as well. Um, yeah, I mean, Clark Salter, like you said, the, the problem has never been the quality there. Uh, realistically, if he was fit 100%, he would probably start yeah. ahead of Fox. Um, I mean, that's interesting because we haven't seen that combination yet. But I agree yeah. that, like, on paper... Probably our two best centre backs are Cook and Clark Salter, yeah. And especially if we're going to be playing this, it was like a back five, wasn't it, with Kakai playing right yeah. centre back. Unless they Which wants, I really. Kakai seems to be working there. There doesn't seem to be any complaints yeah. about him. 
you know, it's a debate then whether you want Kakai or Fox because as the natural left-footed um, centre-back, Clark sort of fits into that really well. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's just, it brings me to where I am with this formation, where I'm sort of in two minds. And one of the minds is going, actually, we're still conceding a lot of chances. And, and you know, it's been down to high-quality defending and Begovic having a very good game that we've not conceded more. And, and should I be worried about that? And I should probably be worried about that. And on the other hand, going, we've created this system that, that plays the players' strengths. And, you know, Kakai isn't great in a back four. Um, so let's play him in a back three where it's slightly lopsided and, and sort of Smith isn't as far back as Parler's on the other side, but he's far enough back that he can help out. And Kakai can sort of do this thing where he doesn't need to just be the guy defending the box and he doesn't need to be making runs up the touchline and putting in crosses that he's not fully adept at putting in. But what he can do is, as I said before, look for the ball in really good spaces, release the ball in really sensible ways, hassle his 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 man that he's marking when he needs to. That's really good. Powell on the left isn't as far up as Smith is, but he's good at going forward. He's developing the understanding with chair that, say, Lee Wallace used to have. So play him there. That's great. And oh, OK, you need Dizelle to be in a three. Put Dizelle in a three then. And you can just kind of go through the squad and go, this suits everyone, really. Uh, Smith, you know, can't quite score. Well, maybe, maybe he can. We haven't seen yet. But you would argue probably is unlikely to score the bangers in the championship that he scored in League Two. Any player would be. You look at what chair did in League Two, and he's been great in the championship, but he's not scored those goals. So, OK, play Smith in a role where he's got defensive responsibilities and where he's going to be putting in, putting in crosses from the byline and these sort of things and it yeah. all sort of makes sense i think maybe the thing is with swift as well it's love i keep saying this every week lovely to see him back it, it, for the second goal may as well just give him the assist yeah. because it is him yeah, that does yeah, all yeah. the work and eventually totally. just lands at colback's feet but um again you know he's, he's, he's in the best way possible he? he's a he's a total nuisance it's great yeah <laughs> just love it he just he's just yeah, he robs the card of centre back of the ball. He's constantly making up runs up and down in all the games since. He's giving people a, just the biggest headache in the world, and I really, really like it. But yeah, um, but but that thing of, of flogging players, I agree. And yeah. and we'll, it's we'll, close. You know. It feels close. The from the international yeah. break, well, that hasn't come at the right time because uh, Dykes, Armstrong, and Smith all away with their their yeah. nations at senior or under twenty one level. Yeah. Uh, even Powell, he's travelling off to. Yeah. Um, Suriname, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. he's, I, th- I don't know if that's for the first time since he's been at the club, but it's certainly the first time I've noticed it. it yeah. Um, it, the, the thing the thing is with this vlogging thing, I can't figure out which way it will go. My suspicion is because it's QPR and because we've got such a thin squad, it's not going to end well. But, yeah. and it's a tentative but, a complaint that fans have rightly had is that Ainsworth has brought players off at 60, 70 minutes when they've been having a good game but look pretty tired. Um, and bringing on players that may or may not yet be up to it. You're sort of Duke McKenna's and your Coley's, who I'm absolutely willing to to reserve judgment on, but also your Adomas, who are, who are probably not the players you want to be bringing on at that point. If that's a really smart thing of conserving minutes, and if actually the reason that Armstrong has played longer in games since then is because he's really ready to, great. But I still see it slightly biting us later on, I think. Yeah, yeah. And, and just one last thing about players coming off the bench. People like Coley, I feel like, uh, obviously, the, the players, Eze, when he came through to a certain extent chair, some of those players were ready to come into yeah. and play first-team football. Some of them played first-team football out of necessity, and you found out whether they sunk or swim. And that's better sometimes, because otherwise, if you just keep filling gaps, you don't have that space for these academy players. At some point, they have got to come into the team, and at yeah. some point, it's got to be 
a sink or swim and find out exactly what they are. And we don't know enough at this point about Coley. We will find out soon enough. Um, But he's still playing the development team, I've seen. And that was the very last point I wanted to make because we've only got four minutes left on this podcast. Um, But I don't know if you've been... If you follow the Academy account on Twitter, if you don't, then follow it. It's it's not exactly groundbreaking what they're doing, but they're actually telling you Winning. what is happening. And, and they're what's also happening telling is pretty you, good. Yeah, amazing results so far. Top of the league in the profession, Premier League Professional Developments League, under 23s, West, South, whatever they call it. Um, but quick run through of their results recently. 2-0 against Fleetwood under 21s the other day. Uh, these were all against under 21s teams. We are the development squad, which is a nice fancy name. I feel like it's some sort of like cheat to get around a rule somehow. But uh, it probably isn't. It's just a name. Uh, 7-1 against Peterborough. Uh, 3-2 versus Coventry. 4-1 against Wigan. And then in pre... Sorry, no, not 4-1. It was 3-2 against Wigan and 4-2 against Coventry. And a pre-season win of 4-1 against Bristol City as well. And you look through the teams. Um, there's one of your future favourite pe- players ever in Rafferty Pedder. Um, I think he well, scored a penalty Pedder. the other day. Stephanie a- Hansen Jr. in, in looks. In name only, there's plenty of good players there. <laughs> there's some yeah. really good names. Um, obviously, Coley's been playing. Adoma has been playing quite a bit. I think I've I found that heard... really funny. It, it doesn't do much to the um, assertion that he looks. I think it, I think this is a club Whittingham one as well. But he looks like a dad in the lads and dads game. Apparently, I mean, when he's play... literally playing football with sixteen year olds, that's not not really helping his cause. But they, um, my dad was uh, at the game against. Fleetwood the other day, and apparently they all call him Unks on the pitch, which I love. That is nice, yeah. Um, I think uh, Kelman's been playing quite a bit. That's debatable whether that's good or not. I I know we've not got long. I genuinely forgot that he played for us. I saw some rumour about him going back to Leighton Orient, and I just assumed that it had happened. He's played a lot for someone who's left, hasn't he? It it baffles me, though. I I honestly would have put money on the fact that he was not at QPR anymore, and someone just went, oh yeah, he is, yeah. But look, there's point is that there's players there that are coming through into the first team whether that's because they're ready or necessity they are coming through there's a little bit of crossover yeah. between those squads and i like the fact i, I assume that this is what they're doing in Vadoma, but you know how like liverpool have got jay spearing playing in yeah the he's, he's the elder statesman in the he's group the elder yeah, statesman yeah, yeah. that's essentially a coach and which with all the, all the respect in the world pro. all the respect in the world to Adoma is probably the best role for him at the minute absolutely and i think he's i hope not in a in a nasty way but i hope he's kind of realized that in the sense that like he's going to have a f- point to prove in the first team at some point and he might start the odd game he will come off the bench occasionally and he will be better pl- a better player for it but majority of his minutes will be with these kids and he's going to be building he's going to be part of the team that builds the next part- generation of QPR and that is the most positive work that he could probably do yeah in I a know, really I... nice but sounds horrible way I, I agree, and I'd, li- I'd like to see where some of these young players go because it might just be that we're filling a gap with them, and actually that's probably the cheapest way to fill a gap. But I I would love if Coley came good. It's too early to judge. And I would love if someone who's been hanging around for a bit like Duke McKenna really came good. So we'll have to see. Yeah. Uh, so we've run out of time on this podcast. Ben, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you. Uh, enjoy the international break, everyone. Uh, enjoy watching chair. No, no, Eze and Dykes play against each other, potentially. Yes. Uh, until next time, come on you ours.